for many years, every time I've ever gotten up in the pulpit to preach, it usually is prefaced with a statement, would you turn in your Bibles? Would you turn in your Bibles? The Bible is the sure hope we have in Christ Jesus today, that regardless of what happens, when it happens, or how bad it may seem to us, that God will take care of us. He is our God. I hope you'll turn with me this morning to the 46th Psalm. That is Psalm number 46. And it is relatively a short psalm compared to some, but it is so full of meaning. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease under the end of the earth. He breaketh a bow and cutteth a spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And all the people say it. <laughs> Amen. This song contains some of the most instructive and comforting truths that you'll find in the scriptures. I have some of the Psalms as my favorites. And perhaps you do too. Once in a while we'll start reading through the Psalms and say, Boy, that's my favorite. I, I like that particular Psalm. I have some favorite Psalms. I love Psalm number one. I never read it, but what that fondness does not seem to increase and to grow. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight 
is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Oh, how I love Psalm number one. I love the 23rd Psalm. Do you not? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love Psalm number 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And then I love Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And oh, how I love Psalm number 46. God is our refuge and strength. This psalm tells us what to do and when we need help in trouble and when we are afraid. We live in perilous times. That is a word the scripture uses. Dangerous times. We live in difficult times. We live in depressing times. We live in, are able to see things happening for the very first time in our lifetime and never dreamed that it would never degenerate to the mess that we see going on today. This psalm is divided by divine inspiration. Most preachers, especially those who've been preaching for any length of time, have somewhat of a working knowledge of homiletics. Homiletics has to do with the science of building a sermon. It's always refreshing to me when the sermon's already built. (laughs) And I don't have to build it. And I don't have to supply the outline. The outline that we have for you this morning, God put it in the 46th Psalm. It is divided by divine inspiration into three parts. And each part concludes with the word Selah. Selah. Part 1 covers verses 1 through 3. But notice it ends with the word Selah. Part 2 covers verses 4 through 7 and ends with the same word Selah. Part 3 covers verses 8 through 11 and is consistent. It ends with the word Selah. Now that word has not been supplied by those who worked in interpreting the scriptures. That word has not been added by the translators. That word was given by the Holy Spirit of God and put in place where we're able to enjoy it today. In Martin Luther's day, this 146 or the 46th Psalm, it was called Luther's Psalm. Well, do you know anything about Luther? He was a fighter. And he had all kinds of trouble, but he stood fast with the Lord. They called it Luther's palm or psalm. I call it the believer's confidence. Have you ever noticed that it's difficult sometimes 
to have confidence, to keep your confidence pitch up, that regardless of what happens, regardless what the storms might be, regardless of what's taking place, you still are able to have confidence. I'd like to introduce you this morning to the word Selah. Selah, S-E-L-A-H. It occurs 73 times in the book of Psalms and three more times in the book of Habakkuk. Isn't that strange? It gets out of the boundary of Psalms and you find it three other places in the book of Habakkuk. You find it in Habakkuk 3, verses 9, verse 3, 9 and 13. What is the meaning of Selah? There are some people that don't take this word seriously, and when they see it in the Scripture, they just never pronounce it. They just bypass it. No, it's as important as any other word in your Bible. The word Selah. What's the meaning of Selah? Number one, it is a musical term. That's why you find it almost 100% confined to the Psalms. The Psalms are hymns. The Psalms are songs. And David wrote and sang many of these Psalms. You find it is a musical term indicating to pause and to be silent. That whenever you read that word Selah, just stop for a moment. Pause for a moment. Be still for a moment. Take it in. It's there on purpose. Second of all, it is designed to make one think and to be awestruck by what has been said either before or after. There's something that you've read before that word is used and right after that word is used that said, think of what you just read. Give attention to what you've just read. This is important. It's awestruck. Bearing. And there are some isolated cases where Selah comes in the middle of a verse rather than at the end of the verse. Most of the times it'll always come after a verse. But there's some isolated cases where it comes in the middle of a verse. I want to give you two examples of that. You're in the book of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 55, verse 19. Psalm 55, verse number 19. That's one of the illustrations. God shall hear and afflict them. Even he that abideth of old. Selah. Right in the middle. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. You find it again in another place, the 57th Psalm, verse number 3. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. We need to beware of unreliable sources for confidence. 
Sometimes these sources can be limited to television broadcasting, communication broadcasting, uh, talking about certain things that ought to really bolster us and really make and feed our confidence level. But we need to be aware of unreliable sources for confidence. Notice in Psalm number 20, Psalm number 20, verses 7 through 10. Psalm 20, verses 7 through 10. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us. When we call unreliable sources for confidence, the believer's confidence is not in wealth. It is not in money. It is not in property. It is not in stocks and bonds and inheritance. The believer's confidence is not in health. Health is continually passing away. If you have not noticed, you're not able to do near as much today as you used to be able to do because your level of health is not what it once was. Health is transitory. It's not here to stay It's here to look good for a while, and then it's gone. And when it goes, you'll be the first one notified. Confidence is not in achievements. There will always be somebody to do what you do and do a better job of it. One of the most humbling statements I've ever heard is this. Somebody will take your place. Well, well, somebody's going to take your place. It's not in governments. The government cannot even take care of itself. (laughs) They continually raise taxes. You know why they continue to raise taxes? They never, ever, ever have enough. And guess who they look to to supply the taxes? The people who need the help called taxpayers. The believer's confidence is in the sovereign God of the Bible, according to the scripture we read this morning. In verse 1 and 5 and 7 and 10 and 11, notice they're all saying basically the same thing. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. It says it only in different words in verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. It is found in verse number 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. And it is found in verse 10. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And it repeats again what has been said in verse number 7. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. (laughs) Selah. Selah. Did you pay attention to the reading of God's blessed word? Aren't you glad that we have a God who is eternally present? God is. And it says more than you and I will ever have time enough to talk about in this life or the life to come. God is. Not God was. Not God will be, but God is. And notice how many times it is found in this 46th Psalm. In verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It is said again in verse number 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. It says it in verse number 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. And it says again in verse 10, as we pointed out, be still and know that I am God. I am can equally be translated, He is. He who says I am, he says that because he is, not was, not shall be, but he is. And then it closes out, the Lord of hosts is, is, present tense, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Have you ever made this statement sometimes when a mountain of trouble comes your way to say or think, I wish somebody would do something. Somebody has done something. He is. He is. He is eternally present. There will never be a time when God is not present. There's nowhere in this world or out of this world that you can go to get away from the presence of God. David said, even if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art thou. God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, everywhere. He is, not will be, He is. And He is our refuge. He is our strength. A God who is eternally present. Moses was asked by the children of Israel who gave him the authority to be their leader. I do so like to refer that to Exodus chapter number 3. Let me read it for you. Exodus chapter number 3 verses 13 and following. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel... And shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? You've come to be our leader and our captain. Well, what is the name of the person who sent you? What is his name? 
Moses said, what shall I say unto them? And God said, this is getting it firsthand, isn't it? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. How precious that is. He's the I am. Always has been. Always will be. He is a God who is eternally present. A God who is eternally present. On your worst day, He is eternally present. Those things that you have to face and do face sometimes and wonder why it's happening to you, God is eternally present. He is, He is, He is. Aren't you glad He is a God who cannot be defeated by trouble? He is a God who cannot be defeated by trouble. That's the context in verse 1, chapter 46 of Psalm. God is. What is He? He's our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very, not just a present help. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is our help in trouble against all possible troubles. Look at your Bible now. Let's get, let's glean this a little bit. He is our help from all kinds of trouble. He is our help from all possible troubles. Did you notice the little word though, T-H-O-U-G-H? It's mentioned four times in verses 2 and 3. In verse 2 it says, therefore we're not going to fear. We will not fear. Why? Though, it didn't say the earth would, it said it could. It might happen. It may take place. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with a swelling thereof. I've never seen all those things happen. Have you ever seen them happen before? We'll not fear. Why will we not fear? Because of what might happen. Someone has said that we get older quicker when we worry about things that might happen or might not happen. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed. I've seen a lot of things, but I've never seen the earth leave. It's always here, isn't it? It's there when you go to bed at night. It's there or already there when you get up in the morning. Though the earth be removed, we'll not fear. Why? Though, even though, didn't say they're going to be this way, but it says, even though the mountains were carried into the midst of the sea. I've never seen anything like that before. These big mountains just all of a sudden moving and jumping into the sea like it were a swimming pool. Though the waters thereof roar, and waters there obviously means floods. It could mean the oceans. Though the oceans or the floods thereof roar and be troubled. And though the mountains shake with a swelling thereof. Not just one mountain, all the mountains begin to shake. 
He said, well, I've been in an earthquake before. Have you been in one where all of them shook? I haven't. Even if that happened, I'll be there with you. Even if it did. Against all possible troubles. But also it is against all actual troubles. Look at verse 6. And look at verse 8. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. That means it turned to wax. And verse 8. Come and behold the works of the Lord. What desolations hath he made in the earth. There are some desolations that we read about in the Bible that God made in the earth. What happens when that takes place? There was a time when he called on a man by the name of Noah to preach and to prepare the people for an oncoming oncoming flood that would destroy the earth. And it began to rain and it began to pour and it kept on doing that day after day after day. And finally the waters reached to the tops of the mountains. God said, I'll be with you when that happens. He was with Noah and he's with his family. And yet God destroyed every other human being on the face of the... He's he's quite competent to do that. God's not afraid of trouble. I am afraid of trouble. And you are afraid of trouble. But God's not afraid of trouble. He destroyed Sodom with fire. They had had a lot of bad weather in Sodom, I'm sure. But never anything like was going to take place this particular day. Because when they got up, all of a sudden something happened they'd never seen before. Balls of fire began to fall from the sky from the heaven above and fall on people and they screamed because they were being burned alive. God did that. That's what you call trouble. And even though he destroyed Egypt with the plagues and with the Red Sea, and he did that. And Egypt was one of the greatest kingdoms on this earth at that time. And God used the plagues to weaken them and humble them and finally brought them to the waters of the Red Sea where he drowned all of them. Now that's trouble. <laughs> yeah, boy, that's, that's trouble. But not only the actual trouble and the possible troubles, he is also our refuge against future troubles. I believe that verses 9 and 10 are apocalyptic. I believe they are having to do with future events. Verses 9, he maketh wars to cease. That has not yet happened. There's always a war in progress somewhere on the face of the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. I believe it's prophetic. And I believe it has to do with the time when our Lord Jesus shall come the second time and establish a kingdom of righteousness on this earth. Verse number 10, be still and know 
that I am God. If there's any doubt in your mind today about that, you be still and know that he is God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. That has not yet happened. But it's going to happen, literally happen, when the Lord comes back and rules this world with a rod of iron, exhibiting his kingship and his lordship. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Why are they going to confess? Because he is Lord. He is God, the sovereign God of the Bible. Aren't you glad he is a God who cannot be duplicated? We don't particularly care so much for him. We'll just make us another one. Men have been trying that for the last 6,000 years. Duplicating God. Another of my favorite Psalms is 115. And it is absolutely loaded. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. But their idols, their gods are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. They have feet, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. And a very important verse is number eight. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Did you miss it? It's the first part of verse 8. They that make them. Men have been trying to duplicate God for the last 6,000 years. And that's the reason why there's so much idolatry throughout the world in some places are, have access to it more greatly to a greater extent than others do. He's a God who cannot be duplicated. When I think about duplication, I think of the children of Israel when they got perturbed because Moses wasn't around. He had left to go on a vacation. They thought he was up in Mount Sinai talking with the Lord. And you know what they said? They said to Aaron, Aaron, make us a God. Gods are made. Gods are not created. God Almighty cannot be created. But gods are made. And there never would have been any idolatry had they not been made by man. The false prophets and false teachers today who've become gods in their own right have been made by people. We talk about these gods, and I'll not bore you. I would examine 
so many books in my study that talk about idolatry and names of gods, not just ancient gods. I mean, even today, people bow down and worship Baal and they worship Buddha and they worship this one. They have made these gods with their hands. You know where that came from? Take a moment to turn over to Exodus chapter number 32. Exodus chapter number 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Make us gods. Gods have to be made. They have to be made. Make us gods, which shall go before us. For as from Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt... We wot not, we know not what is become of him. And Aaron, probably a fresh graduate from some seminary, Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. Verse 4 says, He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molten calf. They didn't have that God before Aaron made it. Aaron made it. Aaron made this God a molten calf. And they said, These that be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. They rose up early on the morrow, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play having a good time, had a contemporary worship service there. You'll get that after church today. Give it a little thought. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for the people that thou broughtest up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I've commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. It said in verse 4 that Aaron made it, a molten calf. I want to ask you a theological question. <clears throat> was it a bull or was it a heifer? Hmm? You ever thought about that? Now today, that'd be hard to answer because there are no bulls and there are no heifers. They're kind of like 
people. No men and no women. But for your curiosity, let me tell you what the Hebrew word is. They made it a bull. Brother, that was a bull they made. And he looked like a bull and he served the purpose of a bull. But they were trying to duplicate God and you cannot do that. My heart goes out today with so many, many people who try their best. They don't like the God of the Bible. So they're always trying to trim him down and make him to be something that they can really appreciate that's more like them. That's what the Psalm 115 was talking about. They that make them are like unto them. I'm glad we have a God who cannot be duplicated The scripture makes it clear God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then he continues with two and three, and then he says, Selah, let's give that some thought. Pause, pause, reflect on that. And go from verses four on down to verse number seven. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, Selah, don't go so fast. Slow down a little bit. Do you realize what you just said, what you've just read? And he closes out the chapter in verse number 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, Selah. I think we need to spend maybe a little bit more time with Selah. I really do. I think all of us get so busy we don't have much time left so we want to find a scripture that's kind of quick and we can say, yeah, I read the scripture this morning and we go to Jesus wept. He did weep. But we need to realize it's God's word to us today. He is today. Let me close this morning by saying the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob. The God of who? The God of Jacob. Why in this world did he say the God of Jacob? Why didn't he say the God of Abraham? Hmm. Why didn't he say the God of Isaac? No, he said the God of Jacob. Jacob was a sorry outfit. He was one more sorry outfit. He told so many lies, he didn't know whether he was coming or going. And made life miserable for everybody and tried to take it out on God to try and wrestle God down. And God won the wrestling match. knowing that hundreds of years later we would be a congregation on Sunday morning and we could read in the New Testament, Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? God forgave Jacob of all of his transgressions. 
and raised him up a prince among princes to furnish us with a people through whom God will give us his blessed word, Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. So, if you've been a little dismayed here lately by some of the things that are taking place in our world, the lawlessness, the immorality, the sexual perverseness, the murder, remember this, God is our refuge. And he is our strength. And he is a very present help in trouble. And may God use that to give you some confidence this morning that everything is going to be all right. It's going to be just fine because he's in control. Let's stand please for prayer.